Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Playmates. We're very excited to have you here again, especially because, not to not to brag or nothing, but it is my birthday episode. Happy birthday, Bran. This is a super special episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'm 27 when Whoa. this comes out. That's crazy. How does it feel? In the future, predict in the how future, it feels. Ha- predict how it feels. Um, it feels probably no different than 26. <laughs> there comes a point in your life, Lee. You might have hit it yet. I don't know where it doesn't really feel any different. <laughs> really? Yeah. There comes a point where you're just like, I think it's because like at 25 or whatever, your brain is supposedly like fully developed done. or whatever. It's like, it's like done cooking, and yeah. you, it, you just kind of <laughs> stop feeling different you just kind of feel like you but like with more experience and more like you know knowledge but like not yeah you don't feel different in that same way like when you turn 16 or 18 or 21 or 25 even right okay so i've got a couple years left. i feel like you have a couple years yeah well happy birthday thank Um, you god bless and uh, i hope it's it's magical and i hope you do i hope you wake up on your 27th birthday feeling like refreshed and renewed and thank you um (laughs) today's also a really special episode am i allowed am i supposed to say what we're talking about or should we do announcements first we're turning we're talking about we're turning the tables a little bit (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're talking about one of Bryn's plays we're talking about antidotal which is um really exciting for me because it's the first work of yours that I was like familiarized with Mm -hmm. um and I'm stoked thank you yeah I'm stoked too uh because it is going up at the brick in April and I just got my just uh secured my director Caitlin Mayer Nick and we're really excited to work together we love Caitlin yeah, Big fan. we Big are fan. super, super excited for this production, and I'm super excited to talk to you guys about the little, very, very long history of this work. <laughs> yes, I can't. I don't know. I don't know the full story, so I'm excited to hear about the it's, full the full journey. It is a journey. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, before we get into that, should we do some announcements? Yes, let's tell the people what's going on. Yeah, it's um, it's submission season. I've oh, got lots of, lots of writing opportunities to share with the people. Um, submissions are open until January 27th, so coming up pretty quick, but January 27th for the Makers Ensemble's second annual short play festival. Yes. Um, they're looking for works... 10 to 30 minutes long with two to four casts of two to four um i hear all good reviews i mm-hmm. will submit something not sure what yet yeah i gotta figure that out too that one's coming up mm-hmm. um applications also just opened uh the, the day that we're, we're recording this yeah, for yeah. um the playwrights realms mm-hmm. writing fellowship and their scratch pad series both awesome programs as well submissions for totally. are open until february 13th mm-hmm. um and last one that i've got registration also just opened for the dramatist guilds end of play 2023 Mm -hmm. Um, which is a challenge that takes place in April, kind of similar to like NaNoWriMo, if you're familiar, um, to finish a draft of a play by the end of April. Yes. Which Uh, I kind of want to do, but I'm also like, do I? <laughs> right, because I'll feel so bad about myself if I do it and then it like doesn't happen for me. Yeah. But yeah. also, what is a draft? What is a draft? How do we define? How do we I define mean, the... a completed draft? I mean, I guess that's technically up to you to define, Lee. So, exactly. so maybe, maybe we we'll... should. Maybe we maybe should. Maybe we should. We'll do yeah. it if you do it. If you all do it. Oh yeah, there we go. It's a it's a playmates podcast challenge. We're gonna do it all together. <laughs> We're gonna we collectively, us and all of our monthly listeners, can probably <laughs> finish at least one draft of one play. Oh yeah. Between all of us. There's Maybe at least one of us that. out there, right? There's somebody. Somebody can do it. Um, and in the vein of performances, um, I have two things to share with everyone. So, firstly, is my good friend uh 
Monty that I met in Cut Edge Collective, they have put out, along with a lot of really cool artists, a podcast, an audio drama podcast called Inc. the Podcast, I-N-C, like Incorporated. And it is a really funny uh, sci-fi corporate comedy. So like if The Office was aliens, but better than that, because it also talks about how capitalism sucks and has original music in it. So you can go listen to the first three episodes right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Highly recommend you pop on over and listen when you're done with this episode. Super funny, well-written, good time all around. And the second one, friend of the podcast, Aaron Proctor, who uh, I interviewed about this play, uh, Alternative Canon. Um, Alternative Canon actually went up in Miami, Florida with a new, brand new theater company called uh, Lake House PNG, I believe is what it is called. And they have five more performances of Alternative Canon as I'm speaking, as of now. So I think maybe three more when this goes out um you should check out their instagram to find out for sure uh if you're in the miami area i highly recommend it is so funny you will laugh your butt off and no you do not have to be jewish or christian to understand the references so highly recommend those two performances anything else to include in the announcements lee that's all that's all i got for right now i'm sad i'm not in miami yeah, I'm also sad that I can't get to Miami because that is a really funny show. If you can't get to Miami, you can go listen to the old episode yeah. in the before Lee times. Um, <laughs> the, the, what you is call that it, how right? we mark? I mean, that's how I mark it in my head. The like BL before Lee and then like yeah. male after Lee times. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I was very lonely on my own Um Yes, so you can you can listen to that uh, episode about alternative canon if you can't go, uh, and just send Erin your love on Twitter or the Instagram. Yeah. Alrighty, Lee. So I believe yes, yeah. I think it's time. Should I read your bio? Is that funny? You can read my. I read your bio to you, yeah. so you well, can read I was my new, bio though. to me if you want. All right. So <laughs> our curate okay. today is Bryn Hambly. If you're not familiar, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who may not know who this oh, yeah. person is, <laughs> um, Bryn Hambly, she they is a queer and disabled playwright, theater artist, devising artist, theater educator, podcast host, and freelance writer based in the New York City area via New Jersey. Yeah, She earned her BA in theater arts from Gettysburg College and her MFA in theater from Sarah Lawrence College. Her work explores loneliness, disability, queerness, and the very human ability to have hope despite it all. In the past, she was a finalist for the Independent International Award for Improper Dramaturgy 2019. That was for Antidotal, which we're talking yeah, about today. Yes, it was. Received the Emil O. Schmidt Award for Excellence in Theater in 2018 and the Mercury Poetry Award in 2017. Mm-hmm. Bryn's plays have been developed with many companies, including First Kiss Theater Company, yes. NYC Summerfest, Cut Edge mm-hmm. Collective, Soundscape Theater, Vibrating Body, Waterhouse Collective, Loud Colorful Filth. A lot Sarah of Sarah Lawrence yeah. College. I'm gonna read them all. Okay. <laughs> and the graduate new play development reading series. Currently, she is working on a play about the oh god, it's so hard. Filie del coro. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> of the yeah. Ospedale della Pieta. In Venice, Italy. <laughs> and a podcast entitled Playmates Find Your New Favorite Play. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That we're currently Venice. on. Member of the Cottage Collective, resident artist at First Kiss Theater. I am also now a teacher at <laughs> NJPAC and a member of the Dramatists Guild as well. Yeah, Dramatists Guild membership is huge. I'm so happy. Oh, for you. so big! Yeah, thanks, mom and dad. That was my birthday present this year. <laughs> Love it. Um, the play we're talking about today, Antidoto, is as described on New Play Exchange. A surreal look at the experience of feminine-identified people with invisible illness or disabilities, Antidotal is an unapo- is unapologetic in its analysis of the medical industry's negative feelings towards feminine patients, as well as the anger, grief, and guilt that chronic illness patients deal with every day. 
Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. You're like, yeah, so true. Oh, so, so true. true. Yeah, almost like you wrote those words. It's almost yourself. like I did. Um, let's get into it. I had a fantastic time reading and rereading this play. I also, Thanks. in preparation for this episode, um, rewatched the Waterhouse Collective. Yeah production mm-hmm. um which if if you haven't seen it I yeah it's free there's it's free on the internet and mm-hmm. there although also you should like give your money to waterhouse collective that that's just like crazy puppets and mm-hmm. um something i was really struck by reading your play mm-hmm. was how like how rich your stage directions are um, and in the Waterhouse Collective production, many of them are read aloud. Um, I'm curious. We're getting right into the questions because I have a thousand. Go for, for it. Go for I'm it. I'm curious if that was like, if that has always been your intention in this text to have some of those stage directions read aloud, or are they just like a little secret for the production team? Kind of both. As I've been um, kind of reworking it as a solo show for The Brick, I've been making a lot of those stage directions lines, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be voiceover lines for the ensemble, because there will still be other performers, just not on stage at the same time as me. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, this I'm o- I've always been told since I started writing plays that my stage directions are, like, really, um, what's a good word, um, extensive? Um, flowery something in that vein they are but yeah like it's like good it's great well thank you um yeah I've always been asked like are you sure you don't want someone to say this like this is beautiful are you sure you don't (laughs) want like the audience to hear this and that's one of the things that I have to do when I'm going through a draft especially of this play is uh, analyzing the stage directions and like should this be spoken or is this supposed to be stage direction which i think a lot of people might be like how can they be similar enough to how could what and experimental playwriting folks um (laughs) that's all yeah well it's because like i mean to give like a little bit more of a like uh, synopsis of the play we're following this um this character i who Mm -hmm. is I I myself interpret as like I mean I is like this representation of what it is to be a woman or perceived as a woman in like the medical world and to mm-hmm. and to experience illness and disability and like how how those things all intersect with one another like definitely um, and like so many of these stage directions feel like they're taking place in they're in that character's world they're in that character's mind i feel like everything this whole world kind of is it's expressive it's like this outward expressive of the inner self and feeling and like something i wrote this down specifically like you capture so well the like frustration and exhaustion of like a feeling that you can't break out of or like an experience that you can't and I think that there's like a universality to that thank you feeling, regardless of it's specific to like being disabled or be or experiencing like misogyny or whatever like the scene where it's like I is removing things from her rib cage and like taking out taking things out and then she's just hollow it's so visceral and good and like Thank how you. are you gonna do this how is it gonna how, i'm i'm are we allowed to know we, um you're allowed to know <laughs> because i don't know for sure yet um so yeah. i can tell you my ideas um the main idea i'm working with right now is from more of a costuming standpoint um uh caitlin and i have kind of talked about the color palette of the show and that sort of thing. And there's a lot of blue, a lot of white, mm-hmm. uh, like um, medical colors, like yeah, colors you see clinical. in a hospital. Yeah, yeah, clinical colors. Um, but also like blue in like a, because I, I mentioned the color blue a lot in the play and I'm not sure why. 
Um, well, there's a lot of like but, ocean, yeah, imagery, which that stuck out to me. Interesting. Why did I do that? Don't know. Couldn't tell. Couldn't really tell you. Um, but it happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, happened. we're thinking of using um having like a not wearing a, ho- a hospital gown would be too on the nose, but like wearing mm-hmm. something that's like like a more like loose fitting t-shirt dress and having a bodysuit mm-hmm. underneath that I could like actually put things in and they'll you know mm. stick to my body because the bodysuit's yeah. tight and then I can pull them out from like under and around my clothes like down the neck of the dress through the arms underneath sort the skirt of a magic pull things trick. out like that yeah that's one of the things we're working with right now um but the fun thing about doing a show that you wrote is if something doesn't work you can just change it you can just change it <laughs> yeah. yeah so we'll see what happens with that yeah what has it been like I mean I guess we can talk about just the history of the play a little bit like I first encountered it in early 2020 Mm -hmm. um and you worked on it as it wasn't supposed to be this way originally but you worked on it as a as a digital piece so that's how I like think of it and know it Mm -hmm. um have have there been there have been in-person productions previously. uh there was one um but not in this country uh, it was right. in russia uh yes <laughs> there was a staged reading of it in russia in russian thank you jenya stashkov for uh translating it also into russian. a friend of the pod we also love- a friend of first kiss theater and the pod yes um who leads vibrating body and so vibrating body uh, i didn't win but they loved it so much that they decided to do it anyway um that's powerful yeah and they yeah and they translated it into russian for me and did a staged reading of it in russia which was awesome but yeah that's the only in-person show that this has had so this is going to be the first time that it's like fully fully realized produced yes um i want to hear a little bit about your experience like re- I don't want to say reimagining the text for the physical space because it's always been that way, but like, you know, uh, adapting any of it for the physical space and for yourself specifically. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. Well, as you said, Lee, this piece did not start out as a solo show. This piece um, was created uh, under the mentorship of Sybil Kempson, acclaimed uh, experimental playwright and theater artist. Um She's a professor at Sarah Lawrence College, and I took her course in my graduate uh, program, um, and it was l- absolutely life-changing. Uh, if you are a Sarah Lawrence student and she's still teaching there, dear God, do yourself a favor. Just do yourself a favor. Um, and I wrote this piece as my first semester project in 2019, so the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that Sybil has her students create, uh, I think she would rather I say create than write, uh, because that's the way she is, is um, very viscerally, very instinctually, um, without planning, without really outlines, without any of that in in the quote unquote in the way of the creation, Mm -hmm. she encouraged us to respond irrationally to things and to just kind of like word vomit on the page yeah. and see what you know stuck out throw spaghetti at the wall and this piece was written honestly a lot of it was written on my phone uh when I could not I sleep. love a notes app play yeah like it was written on my phone in my notes app when I could not sleep at night because I was in pain yeah or like on my notes app when I'm sitting on the couch on the weekend and frustrated about something or other a uh, very little of it was written in a quote unquote, I guess you could say traditional way where I sat mm-hmm. down on a computer and I like wrote the thing. Uh, um, no, it was. And I think that contributes to how the piece feels, why it feels so, um, I guess you could say, I'll just say the word visceral again, why it feels yeah, it's visceral. And there's something like erratic to it and like very like, People love to compare, like, every experimental playwright to Sarah Kane. Of course. But there's something about the, like, in like sort of in-your-face nature of it that yeah. I know I'm doing hand motions that the people can't see <laughs> um, that, like, is reminiscent of that, that style. Well, thank you. Yeah, I um, jokingly... And, like, fits yeah. the content so well. Thanks. Yeah, I did. I have uh, my one of my friends, I forget who, 
uh, jokingly called this my uh, 448. <laughs> this is my 448 play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of was like, ah, yeah, kind of is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's it was written from an extremely visceral, erratic, emotional as hell place. Yeah. yeah. Because I had only been ill for a little over a year when mm. I first started writing this piece. And now I'm coming up on five years of yeah. being ill, which is so weird to think about. Um, But... Yeah, I had only been ill for a little over a year and a half, and I was really just starting to accept it, like, oh, this is my life now. This is just what my life is like now. And uh, feeling the grief of that and the anger of that, especially because a lot of abled people um, see a lot of us who got disabled later in life and think we did something to make it happen Mm -hmm. because that way they feel safe. Like, Oh, well they did something and that's why they're disabled. I'm fine. And I'm not going to be disabled because I'm going to do everything right. Yeah. No, that's not what happens. Bruh. A doctor prescribed me a antibiotic that in most countries is actually not approved. Um, and in 1% of patients causes nerve damage and leads to things like fibromyalgia, which is what I have. Um, so I did nothing wrong. I just went to the doctor for a UTI fam and this happened to me. So I was finally realizing that like this person had unintentionally done this to me and through no one's fault, this was my life now. And that's kind of where this play came from was like those initial feelings of grief and anger and frustration with the medical community and frustration with trying to find a doctor who like understood and believed me and that I could afford because health insurance in this country sucks. And yeah, so that's, I think where a lot of the emotion and uh, erraticness and just like in your face-ness of this show comes from are those very hard to ignore feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what has it been like, like for you returning to this text, you know, three, four years later um, and going into this performance process that you're about to do, like revisiting that mm-hmm. time in your life and those feelings. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a little weird because at first I looked at the text and I just kind of went through very mechanically and was mm-hmm. like, what can't work? What needs to change now that uh, there aren't as many bodies on stage? Now there's mm-hmm. only one body on stage what needs to become a voiceover, what needs to be tweaked here and there. And it was very mechanical in that way, especially because I did not think this would happen. I submitted this to the brick on a whim thinking, (laughs) meh, they're not going to pick me because, you know, (laughs) that low self-esteem voice in the back of your head that says no one's ever going to pick you because you suck. And I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to vomit this application out. They're not going to pick it. And then they did. And I went, oh, my God, I actually have to do this now. Um, (laughs) I'm in a very similar place right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Uh, oh, I need to actually produce this play. Hmm, Oh, yeah. It's it's (laughs) terrifying. Um, But, yeah, so at first I kind of almost didn't believe it was happening. Um. And also it was like, oh, this piece is extremely important to me in so many different ways that like I didn't want to get caught up. I don't want to get too caught up in it when I'm just trying to tweak it. You know, I didn't want to be like, oh, and reliving everything when I was just trying to freaking like tweak it a little. So the first one or two times I went through it, I was just like robot brain. We're turning on the robot brain and we're just like going through it very logically like what's not going to work, what will work. What do we think we need to have the director look at and see what she thinks and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And now that I have my director and we're starting our fundraising, which I'll talk about at the end of the episode, um, and we're starting to actually talk about the content of the piece and how we want to present it, why we want to present it. um, Yeah, I started being like, okay, it's kind of unavoidable and you're performing this. So you kind of got to let some of that back in and Mm -hmm. be okay with that, process that. Thank you, health insurance, for not uh, helping me afford a therapist um, <laughs> that could help me with this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so, and it's like I said, it's weird. Like, this happened to me five years ago. And looking back on all that I've done in those five years, despite this, and mm-hmm. how lucky I feel because a lot of people with my illnesses um, can't do a lot of the things that I have done or that I will do like this show for instance 
Like, I yeah. also have to consider um, accessibility for myself when I perform yeah. this show. Like, do I need to have a chair on stage? Do I need to perform some of these things sitting down? Do I need to... And even though I have to make those considerations, looking at it and being like, I am so... Pardon my French. I am so goddamn lucky that I can even yeah. do this. Because yeah. there are a lot of people with my exact same diagnoses who just happen to be more severe and can't do this. Yeah. Um, and that's, and I mean, Caitlin and I have talked about that. And like, that's one of the reasons why I feel like I have to do the show is because there's so many people who can't do the show, but I can. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it feels like I, I, I just need, I need to do it. Um, yeah. Not just for myself, but for like the community at large that I've connected with over TikTok and Reddit and Instagram in these past five years mm. of being ill. You know, that yeah. kind of got off track, but yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> well, and I hope that that'll be like an empowering experience for you too to like, yeah. um, you know, you and I have talked about how you have like root- these roots as a performer that you're kind of returning to with this piece and like yeah. getting to do that really on your own terms. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, I want- it's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you too about how this play now lives in like a a, a global context, given the the events of the past um, yeah three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled this one quote in particular from the the Stephanie scene. Ah, uh, yes, the Stephanie um, scene. Um, did you know that? Th- that most of the world is not accessible to disabled people like at all because abled people rarely think about them, even though it wouldn't take much to make an abled person disabled too. That Mm -hmm. hits differently um, for me at least now than it did um, pre-pandemic. Yeah. When I wrote this in, you know, September to December, 2019, Mm. right before the pandemic hit, obviously I was not yeah I had no idea yeah obviously that yeah Yeah. that's always been true but I think but there's so much more conversation and it's so much more it's happening to so many more people and it's like much more part of like larger conversation right now yeah long Um, COVID and especially because um one of my illnesses myalgic encephalomyelitis um mm -hmm. is intrinsically connected to long COVID Mm -hmm. um what long COVID is, is kind of like, if you have long COVID, you may eventually be diagnosed with myalgic encephalomyelitis mm-hmm. um, because it is a usually, not always, but usually a post-viral disease. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, COVID being a virus, long COVID is also a post-viral disease. So they're trying to figure out if there's any intrinsic differences between the two. Um, some people are being diagnosed with ME, some are not. Um but as someone who has ME and who had it before the pandemic, mm-hmm. it is there's it, it's a bittersweet feeling almost because like it I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, and it makes me really sad that this is happening to people. Yeah. But the positive side is now we're getting research. Yeah. Because now there's way more people yeah, who have ME or it. something like ME. Mm-hmm. So especially in the UK, like Listen, I know the UK has its problems, but right now, holy crap, I wish I could live there because the research they are doing on ME and long COVID is is way more than we're doing here in the US. Mm-hmm. Way more. Um, you know, they're trying to they're trying to figure out a blood marker uh for ME and therefore long COVID and also for fibromyalgia because nerve pain is also something I guess that can happen sometimes with long COVID because we still don't know all the things that can happen with long long COVID. Um, So it is strange to think about, but this piece is going to connect with a whole group of people that it would not have connected with in 2019 at all. Yeah. Five years ago, they would not have understood or connected with this piece at all. But now there's a whole host of people who have these experiences. Yeah. And who are going to look, hopefully, watch or read the play and go, oh, my God, that is exactly what I went through and be validated in that experience. Yeah. Do you think people will read this, like, as a pandemic play if they don't know the... Maybe. I kind of hope not, though, because, you know, when I wrote it it was before the pandemic. And also, it's it's not about 
like when I think about a pandemic play, I think about isolation more so than yeah. illness. I think more yeah, about isolation, true. loneliness, um, this sense of um, everything falling apart and you having no control over that. Yeah. Maybe that's because that was my personal experience. Yeah. No, and still sure. kind of is. Because let's not forget, ladies, gents, and those outside the binary, um, the <laughs> pandemic is still happening. Um, yeah. Especially for those of us who are disabled and chronically ill, it is still very much a thing we have to be worried about. Um, but that's the themes that arise in me in a pandemic play. Like, for instance, yeah. Inside by Bo Burnham is a pandemic. Yeah, play. it's more about, like, the social yeah. and, like... Yeah, yeah. For sure. With the the impending sense of doom, without necessarily experiencing it, you know, mm, because there are yeah. still people. I don't know. By some miracle, there are still some people who have not had COVID. My husband's one I of them. Know. I do not know how he has not had it, especially because we're pretty sure I had it in March of 2020. Oh, really? So yeah, we don't know for sure because there were no tests back then. Right. Um, and they were telling us like, unless you can't breathe, don't leave the house. Right. You know. Right. So I don't know if I had it. Um, but if I did, we were in a studio together and he still somehow yeah. didn't get it. Some people. I don't know. Some people are magic like that. They James really are. Maybe, or... <laughs> I don't know. maybe. I don't know. Maybe. We don't know yet. We don't know but, anything. Yeah, exactly. We don't know crap. So I kind of hope people don't read this as a pandemic play yeah. because it's not, it's supposed to be more about the experience of being chronically ill yeah. and how you're treated by society and how you're treated by the medical community and trying to either accept that you don't really have much control over it or find a way to have control over it in some capacity, like how you process it. It's way more about that than I think yeah. it is about like isolation or um, those, that sort of social aspect. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I had one final question for, for you before we, we wrap up here. That's kind of going back to, to more the, the actual content of the play, which is, um, the future Eve. Yeah. This text that's referenced that I had to Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would probably have to Google it now too. Cause I barely remember. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, we have this scene with um, the doctor and mm-hmm. I's last shred of willpower mm-hmm. um, where this this man comes in and is like, I can fix you and mm-hmm. you're my, my Eve. And then I's last shred of willpower is like, I'm not Eve. I'm Sawana. I was like, what is this? What does this mean? Um, I was getting the, like, sort of biblical, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, perfect woman coming from a man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. But the future Eve, as I understand it from the Wikipedia yeah. um, uh, research that I did, mm-hmm. is um, this uh, French novel, like, sci-fi novel from the 1800s yeah. where a man who's not thomas edison but is yes <laughs> um his friend comes to him and is like i don't like my wife she's beautiful but her personality is lame and mm-hmm. thomas edison is like what if i told you i could make you a robot wife who looked like your wife but was like cool and didn't have a bad personality mm-hmm. this guy's like awesome Vibes, so thomas edison yes. does mm-hmm. but then the robot wife <laughs> yeah you gets could, inhabited yeah. by the I have not read this. I just read no, the that's okay. article. She gets inhabited by a she spirit. The spirit of Thomas Edison's mystical assistant, I think is what they called her. Something like that, yeah. Uh, named Sawana. Named Sawana. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about your relationship to this text <laughs> and how it relates to so, your play, please. Oh my god, this is gonna come back to uh, Miss Sybil Kempson. Hi, if you ever listen to this, I love you and I'm sorry. Um, but no, you should she, send her the link. So she, um, one of the lovely things that she does in her class, especially once it gets to second semester, but it also happens in first, is you talk to her extensively about what's inspiring you or what is not necessarily inspiring you, but what can, what do you need to make? What do you need to talk about? And at that point, it was obviously, if we're talking about antidotal here, I, it was about my chronic illness and me processing mm-hmm. 
this new future of of mine and she recommended a bunch of texts for me to read and I didn't read the actual full text of this book but I read excerpts Mm -hmm. of it in another book um that oh my god I need to uh where is my I have the free PDF. It's a really good book. Um, and it's where a lot of the wolf imagery at the yes. end also comes from. Um, ah, heck. Running, is it called Running with the Wolves? No, that's a song by Cloud mm-hmm. Cult. What, Women Who Run with the Wolves. Mm. It, it's called Women Who Run with the Wolves, Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype. Um, and they mention this book, I believe, in that book. And what connected me to that was my body, our, all our bodies, are mm-hmm. organic machines. Are they not? Mm-hmm. And um, while the robot that the Thomas Ed- Edison standing character makes isn't necessarily organic, I viewed it as, well, yeah, it's a machine and it's supposed to do all these things. And it's supposed to be, you know, in a lot of, this is where my Catholic upbringing comes in. It's supposed to be perfect, right? It's yeah. in God's image or whatever the hell, right? It's supposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. be this gift. And I was not, and still don't most days, I don't view my body as a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the lines that's actually in our fundraising zine that I'll talk about here in a second, um, that's also in the play, is I do not have a body. The body has me. Mm-hmm. And that is how I have felt since I became ill. I don't have control over my body. To be honest, none of us really do. Right. So it just feels like a weird little avatar that I am inhabiting currently. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of connected to these, this idea that Sawana is just inhabiting this avatar. And who she is is not the body. Who she yeah. is is her spirit. Yeah. And that really struck a chord with me. And that's why that comes in there. Because the doctor is trying to make her this perfect thing, is trying to fix right. her. And right. In like a very self-serving way. Yeah, in a like, self-serving it's not way. About her. No, it is not about her. It is about him. The only reason he is quote unquote helping her yeah. is for his own personal gain. Um, that yeah. is never truly It's never said explicitly, but is kind of implied by the presence of occasionally other doctors to be that he's trying to, like, write a groundbreaking, you know, paper for a medical journal or something. He's trying to make a groundbreaking discovery, but it's not for her. It's not for people like her. It is for him. Yeah. And that is why it's important to me that that character is a white cisgender man, because it is not about helping women and women presenting, femme presenting people or any people with these chronic pain and chronic illnesses it's not about them it is about him yeah and that is why that story i was like oh this doctor is like the thomas edison guy coming in and being like i can fix everything and i can make right. you perfect but not because yeah. he wants to help you but because he wants to prove to himself that he can do it yeah and then doesn't recognize you as a person even though yeah. you very much are a person yeah well because it feels like it's about like his own discomfort too of like he doesn't want to have to see her her for who she is Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to see her pain he doesn't want to see her suffering yeah he wants to see her as a lab rat so that he can get what he needs to get (sighs) and then forget about her and that's how i felt i felt like a lab rat for a lot of doctors until i found my current rheumatologist i love you natalie azar um (laughs) Love her to death. And my big current, uh, a big fan, and my current pain <laughs> management doctor um, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's, you know, a coincidence that they are both women. One of them is yeah. a woman of color. I yeah. don't, mm, don't think it's a coincidence um, because I had been gaslit by a male doctor or two and even a few nurses. Let's not mm-hmm. leave those nurses out. Mm-hmm. Um, the, about my pain. Um that it was connected to my anxiety or that I was a hypochondriac, um, Mm. you know, refusing to do blood tests, that sort of thing. And Mm. I don't think it's a coincidence either that the woman who diagnosed me was a woman yeah, and that she, she was the first one who believed me. Yeah. Yeah. Not to shade the nurses at Gettysburg college because they were doing their darndest. They're doing their best. 
They had no idea that all of the little things I was coming to them with were all connected. They just Mm. thought, wow, why does this girl keep coming to us with random muscle and joint pain and also gastrointestinal distress and also extreme acid reflux and also ice pick headaches and also... I was in there the last semester of college. I was in there 24 seven, like what the hell is wrong with me? Um, And it wasn't until the summer when I actually got out to see an actual doctor that, yeah, she did the push. What do they call it now? They don't really use it anymore, but the pressure point test Mm -hmm. um, where they're just talking to you and all of a sudden they grab you in a specific point. And if it hurts, then they'll test a few other points. And uh, if it all hurts, Congrats, you have fibromyalgia. That's oh. a lot of times how they diagnose fibromyalgia. Oh. Yeah. I had no like idea. I, so, so I'm just talking to this lady, very nice woman, but I'm just talking to her, and all of a sudden she grabs my shoulder, and I yelp. And she's like, bro. <laughs> she's like, bro. Uh, she's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna grab a few more places very gently. Like, she yeah. ain't grabbing me hard. I'm just yeah. like, hi, ow. And she's like, mm, that's not supposed to hurt. <laughs> I was like, oh, fantastic. Um, So very long-winded way of saying, yeah. Um, I picked out a lot from that uh, Women Who Run With The Wolves book, including the ending, where, um, spoiler alert, um, I'm okay with spoilers, though. Um, I, or in this case, me, the performer in this case, uh, turns into a wolf. She she essentially, she kind of dies, but not really is. You can interpret it how you will. Right. She exits um, her she, existing physical form. <laughs> yeah. In a way that I don't necessarily know if it's, it's... I wrote the thing and I'm like, you could interpret that as death. But you could also interpret it as more of an ascension in a way. Yeah. Outside of the body. She becomes a tree. Yeah. And then she yeah. becomes a wolf. And there are all these other wolves. And all of a sudden there's a feeling of like, you know, we can escape the notion yeah, that the body is all we are. And yeah, yeah. So I I do recommend that book. Obviously, there are parts of it that are a little problematic, but overall, sure. it's a decent it read. Was, yeah. Overall, it's a pretty decent read. Um, and it inspired a lot of this uh, work. Yeah, the idea of the wild woman in general inspired yeah. a lot of this work. Um, because that was something Sybil was really trying to get out of me at that time. I was twenty three. Was I twenty three? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was a baby. I was like twenty three. And um, I was the youngest no, that's person. That's so young. That's so young. Um. Yeah, at least it's here staring at me like, bro, I'm 22. Um, and <laughs> um, but know. I was a little, I was the youngest one in my graduate school cohort mm-hmm. because I went straight from undergrad into grad school. Listen, I don't recommend it for everyone, but okay. for me, it was the right yeah. decision. And um, I just, I felt a lot, of, I felt a lot of things about that. And she yeah. also felt that I was I was holding myself back in a lot of ways because of my age and experience yeah. level. And also because she felt that I was trying to protect a lot of my loved ones in my writing from my mm. deeper feelings and emotions about my life because I didn't want to upset them. So, again, sorry, mom, when you see this, you're going to cry. I know you cried everything I write and I'm very sorry about mm. it. Um, yeah. But... I just write sad things. I'm sorry, Jill. Okay. But um, <laughs> Sybil was like, you need to stop protecting people. She just, she took yeah. me and she's like, she, she got very close with, with us um, and very open with us. And she just held my hands and she's crying. She says, you need to stop protecting them. And I was like, shit. Okay. And yeah. she was like, you need to let it out. You need to stop with this idea that a lot of women or women socialized people are socialized with, which is to protect people and to be polite and to cater to people. And that's why she gave me a lot of literature on the wild woman archetype Mm. and was like, you need to, you need to be chaotic. Let the chaos out, be chaotic. And out came this play. And it was honestly this is the work where I feel like I really discovered who I am as an artist and it is that's one of the many reasons why it is so important to me yeah yeah long diatribe but yeah (laughs) and you can come see this work Yes, you. Yes, you can. You can. Terraforming New Works Festival, and Brent, I understand you have something to promo. Oh, I do. Uh, So the show is on. 
The show's on April 12th, but the lovely Teresa has not told us times yet, so I do I cannot tell you the time yet. Yeah. But I can tell you that in a few months you can go to the brick dot the, the brick theater, I believe it's the brickfeeder.com, and then go to their events and go to their calendar and you'll be able to see all the shows. Mm-hmm. Um they're not up yet because it's January. And this isn't it's until January. April. Um so us. give it a month or two and the time will come up. But it is on April 12th, which is a Wednesday. I know. Listen, it's a festival. I know. Um, but if you can't see it, I'm going to make sure that I can record at least parts of it, if not the entire thing. And then it will be up on my YouTube channel, which is just under Bryn Hambly. And then you can view it there. You can actually view a lot of my work there if you want to. You can just look up Bryn Hambly on YouTube and you'll see my stuff. Anyways, um, we d- to stalk, stalk my YouTube and TikTok. Uh, I'm almost I'm almost at 400 followers on TikTok and I feel like a bigwig. So um, <laughs> anyways. That's a lot. That's really good. Is it? Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I was like, kind of making oh, fun of myself there. <laughs> I have like 12 TikTok followers, but I also stopped posting two years ago. Oh. Uh, see, I like making little videos because, you know, the, the autism thinks it's fascinating. Um, yeah. <laughs> the autism thinks my reflection is incredibly fascinating. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Jesus, this is the episode <laughs> of Diatribes and Tangents. But we are doing a little fundraising effort. Uh, we're going to do a few more. But our first fundraising effort that uh, Caitlin and I were super excited about is a a zine, actually. Um, And so you can get this little zine through a digital download on my website. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you go to my website and then go to Works Current, it'll be like the first thing on there. You can click Buy Now. It'll take you to my little storefront. And it's only $3. And all the funds go to... Me paying Caitlin, me paying for any parking or travel, um, and uh, paying for any props we might need, any costumes. Uh, potentially, we might be working with a uh, projection production designer person, too, so paying them. I, I have some of my own savings, but, you know, I want to be able to pay my artists especially as much as I possibly can. And also, getting to the city from where I live is, like, $25. So, ah. Uh, Ah, but the zine is really cute. I'm really proud of it. I did all of it myself. Um, I love collage, so it's a very collage style uh, thing. It's in the color scheme of the show that Caitlin and I talked about. Lots of blues, a little bit of yellow. It has quotes from the show. Uh, it has statistics. It also has little um, things just from my own experiences uh, being a disabled person. And then there's a little... There's a little surprise. Uh, if you unfold the zine, you get a poster to the show. So it's not only a zine, it's also a poster for the show. Um, so you can get that uh, just for $3 on my website. And like I said, all of the money, all three of those dollars are going to go towards helping me pay Caitlin, helping me pay potentially our production designer, and helping me get to and from the city and any other stuff we might need. So, yeah. I'm yeah, you get a cute it right little thing. Now. Wait, really? I'm on, your, oh, I'm on your website right this second, putting in my credit card information. This is so cute. Thank you, Lee. Um, but yeah, it's I I really like it. I think it's cool if you're like a zine indie type person. Uh, I hope you like it. If you're a disabled person, it might uh, I don't know be validating. It might also help you explain some of your life to your loved ones, or maybe it's just a cute little thing that you can put on your desk. Either way, uh. I hope you enjoy it and if you do purchase it i love you forever and all of your funds go towards helping us put on this show which um caitlin and i feel is like a really important show to uh put up right now so yeah yeah and any other go download the zine and any other fundraising efforts um such as a gofundme or anything else we do um i will post about either on my socials uh, which are oh my gosh I, I don't think I've ever pro- have I promoted my social something before I, I should don't know be, you I should be doing that like that's like a thing that we should be doing as podcasters yeah people. follow us um, follow, follow us um, I don't want to be known <laughs> I don't I wish to not be perceived <laughs> um, my Instagram is librarians underscore daughter and my TikTok I believe is just uh, I don't think I had to put the underscore uh, yeah, is just librarian's daughter. So that's my ticky tack and my Instagram. Those will have 
any updates on fundraising and on the show and also just fun disability activism and theater stuff um and my website is in the link tree in my instagram bio so yeah i think that's i think that's it yeah and if you want to check out caitlin my director a lot of her information is on my website too yeah caitlin caitlin's instagram is gorgeous yeah yes you should follow caitlin especially because like diversify your feeds follow disabled people caitlin is also a disabled artist by the way that's one of the things i wanted to make sure as we had a disabled director who understood the material so yeah yeah there you go Mm. download the zine come see anadero in april Mm-hmm. Um, follow Bryn and Caitlin on all the platforms. Not me though. And, <laughs> Lego, not me. Do not perceive me. <laughs> you can me. follow me if you, if you, if you. I mean, if you want to. Um... I actually love to be perceived. Um, <laughs> well, if you would like vain. to perceive Lee, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, which is at Playmates Podcast, and Lee and my Instagrams are both in the bio. Are they? Um, Lee on Instagram, at least, is at Lee. Is that you, Lee? Yes. Um, I'm at Lee. Is that Yuli on all yes. relevant platforms. Great. Uh, follow them on Twitter too. Follow me on Twitter. I am not on the Twitter and I don't know what happens there, but Lee does. So if you're a Twitter person, yeah. you should follow you're Lee. Twitter person. <laughs> you're a Twitter person. Yeah. Listen, if the podcast ever has a Twitter, Lee's going to have to run it because I don't know. I don't know Jack about Whoa, Twitter. I should, I should. We should have a Twitter. Maybe we should. I'll we make should a Twitter that. for the pod. I feel like I should be Bye. doing something. I'll run the Insta, you run the Twitter. There we go. Problem solved. Hiya! Oh, and we also have a website. If you would like to submit guests or plays that you want to talk about, which includes yourself, you're allowed to submit yourself. You're allowed to submit your own place. You are allowed to do that. Um, We have a Google form on our uh, website, which is playmatespodcast.weebly.com. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast, please just follow us on Spotify or anywhere else to you get your podcasts. Uh, tell your friends about us, share episodes, all that jazz. And you can also, we have a buy me a coffee, um, which is just called buy me a tea on our website um, that I recently set up. So if you would like to buy us beverages, you, you can do that. You can tip us on buy me a coffee and you know, we may figure out uh, a perk for that. Right now there is none, but if there is, you'll be grandfathered in. Uh, so yeah, I think that is the entire spiel that we're supposed to give at the end. <laughs> I cannot hear you, Lee, if you are talking. I am talking. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, wow, I was talking for your lo- I, I, I made some interjections in a lot of your spiel, but I guess people just didn't hear. No, people didn't get to hear it. I'm so sorry. Damn, it's okay. <laughs> sad. <laughs> so sad. But yes, you can. So sad. We, we, we did all the socials. We did the website. We did the buy me yeah. a, a, a coffee. We buy did me a the, beverage, yeah. Buy, buy beverages. I think we did all the things. We hit all the beats. We did all the things. Amazing. We'll, see, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll speak in, into your ears next month. Yes, we will. Uh, come <laughs> catch us in February. Uh, the clues to our next uh, playwright will be up probably the week before the episode comes out uh, because we are two chaotic people and we have jobs and everything is yeah, fine. We do. So, <laughs> so we have jobs. We have plays to produce. We have so we many. Got a lot going on. So, um, you'll probably get that like the week before the podcast comes out, and you guys can make your little That's guesses. Fine. Can make your little guesses to us in your in our Insta DMs if you would like. Um, but yeah, other than that, we will see you next month. Have a fantastic month. Have a great month. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.